I am so thankful you've tuned in to Vintage McCoy. Hi, I'm Rick Brown, filling in for Rob, but this is the second installment of a special event that I was a part of two weeks ago for the Children's Health Defense with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and his team that is rolling this out, a chapter for all 50 states to rescue our children from the damages and the ravages of uh, the vaccination injuries. Here's a guy that is from a political royal family, if you will, in America. His father was assassinated as he just won the California primary in, um, back in 1968, and Bobby was only 14 years old. He has fought fearlessly for environmental issues and various things for 40 years, but when he realized that uh, the vaccination injury is 100 times worse than the dangers that we're facing with environmental issues, he has now dedicated his entire life. And no matter how they try to malign him about misinformation with the health and human services, they sued him, telling uh, others that he was spreading misinformation. He sued them and shut them down. And the trolls at CNN and everybody that wants to silence him, I want you to know that we can be a part of helping him if we want to uh, pre-order his new book, Can You Imagine? <laughs> Robert F. Kennedy Jr., with all of his research, is coming out with a book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And uh, I told him I was going to give, us a, uh, give him a shout-out here at Vintage McCoy because we're trying to put the pre-orders over 10,000 because if we do, the New York Times bestseller list will have to recognize it. And I doubt if they want to go into court by not recognizing it with the renowned Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So we'll see. If you want to be a part of that and protecting people in this time, please go on and pre-order this. Well, Bobby, I did what I said I was going to do. I was privileged to be a part of this, and we're now going to get to the action. He teed it up a little bit, just about a, a minute from last night's edition, about how they are destroying uh, free speech, religious freedom, and they're decimating our, our Constitution through this last year of COVID. So Bobby says it best. Check it out. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knocked these buildings down the advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One small step for man. Be able to sing with new meaning. My country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, uphold any foe to ensure the survival and the success of liberty. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men 
are created one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to repeat. They didn't just obliterate the middle class in this country over the past year. They completely obliterated the United States Constitution. I would never have believed this. They got rid of, they got rid of freedom of speech. They got rid of uh, religious freedoms, which is also in the First Amendment. How do you close all the churches? Order, could you imagine two years ago that somebody would come along and say, we're going to close every church in the United States for a year and keep all the liquor stores open as essential businesses? The liquor stores aren't in the Constitution. The churches are. And that we're going to get rid of uh, 100-year-old religious exemptions to vaccines, just a snap of the finger. And we're going to get rid of jury trials in this country, the fifth, the sixth, and seventh amendment. Jury, you can't sue anybody. Not only can you not sue vaccine makers, you can't sue anybody who claims that they're involved in providing a countermeasure. Oh, there's no litigation against mass or any of these other, you know, drugs, remdesivir, whatever it is, no matter how negligent that company is. And we've seen the vaccine makers are, you know, emergent solutions and Pfizer have been producing these vaccines that even they, even the FDA is saying, you screwed up the manufacturing. You didn't do quality control. The vaccines are dangerous, or they don't work because you screwed, you messed up the manufacturing. There's no liability. No matter how reckless that company is, no matter how negligent they are, no matter how grievous your injury or death, you cannot sue that company. We got rid of jury trials. We got rid of property rights. They, did, they executed a taking of every prop business property in America. They just told everybody, shut down your business. There was no just compensation. There was no due process. They just shut, shut them down. They got rid of the right to assembly. They said to us, you know, we have to socially distance. They got rid of all of these the right to petition, all of the rights the, the, during, of the amendments to the Constitution are gone in a single year. They got rid of due process of law, which is, you know, due, what due process means is not only you have certain rights before somebody can take your business, you have to go through a trial. You have to get justly compensated before somebody jail you. A due process also means that the government cannot pass a law without doing certain things. They have to, here's what normally, if the government was going to tell everybody, you got to wear a mask. First, they have to do something. Here's what they have to do. And I've been suing governments for 40 years for not doing this. You know, for giving a polluter a permit without actually going through the process, without doing an environmental impact statement. That's what I've been doing for all this time. It was shocking to me that they, that a government technocrats can say to the American people, everybody wear a mask. There's no 
there's no rulemaking. There's no, here's what they normally have to do. They'd have to publish the proposed rule in public newspapers to alert everybody this is coming. And then, along with that, they have to do an environmental impact statement to tell all the costs and all the benefits. And also explain all of the scientific basis for this new rule. Tell us the studies you're relying on. Tell us why the studies that are against you, you've decided to ignore. You have to explain all that. You have to do a regulatory impact statement. You have to do an economic impact statement that says here's what the cost is gonna be. All the different people in our country and all the different businesses in society. Then you have a comment period where the public gets to read the law and read those documents and then they send in letters saying, you haven't considered the impact of that law on my business. And you haven't considered, you haven't considered that my business poses no threat to the society. Your law is still gonna injure me. And then the, the government's required to respond to every one of those comments and to make adjustments in the law if the comment is rational. And then there's a hearing, an administrative hearing, where they get to bring their witnesses, all the scientists who said that masks work. Okay? There are none. Oh. I'm just, I'm, tell, I'm telling, you know, we on our, we don't, CHD does not officially take any position on masks. We do take a position on science. The government should follow science. And we take all the studies on masks that we can find on PubMed, which is the official archive of all peer review, and we post them on our website. And we have not been able to find any study it says that masks interrupt viral transmission, even in institutional settings, which shocked me. Because I always thought, you know, if somebody asked me, do masks work? I think they're not gonna work against the virus. Maybe they'll work against the bacteria. People don't know how tiny a virus is. It, a mask, the caliber of the holes in a mask are a thousand times, in some cases, the size of the virus. It's like trying to stop mosquitoes with a chain link fence. And so, and I know that, because I know how small viruses. But, but I thought, well, maybe they work, you know, in institutional settings. You put them on a doctor before he performs surgery, and, you know, that seems to make sense that he doesn't sneeze into the chest cavity of somebody, right? But it turns out that the Royal College of London did a study in 1982 where they said, you know what? We've been making our doctors wear masks for 100 years. We've never really seen whether they work or not. So we're going to do a, a placebo-controlled study where we're going to tell everybody to take off the mask for six months, even in the operation theaters. And what happened? The infection rates dropped. And so I thought, well, that's probably an anomaly. But when we started looking through the literature, we found probably a dozen of those studies. They all said the same thing. I don't know why. 
I can't explain it. I can't tell you that it's true. I can only tell you that the science we have today, the science that's posted on NIH's website, Anthony Fauci's website, all of them say that masks don't work. So, and I don't know, it may be a good policy for other reasons. And, and there are virtually no studies on coronavirus. They're mainly flu. So there's a lot of weaknesses either way. There's no certainty. But to stand on TV and say I'm doing well, to stand on TV in March and say masks don't work, which is what Tony Fauci did, and then in June say strap them on, and the end of June strap two of them on, <laughs> and and nobody asks them how why did it change? Is there new science? It's not out there. So. You know, if we had a hearing, a public hearing, where he would bring his scientists to explain why it works, and we get to bring our scientists, and they get to cross-examine ours, and we get to cross-examine theirs, that's how American democracy is supposed to work. And, but going back, you know, to that, to that study, the Milgram study that I talked about, it, what they've done to the American people is what Mil Stanley Milgram did to his patients. They locked the entire country under house arrest and it, and it became kind of a hostage crisis. And the entire American public kind of fell into this mass psychosis that is known by know, uh, psychological warfare experts as Stockholm Syndrome, where you become obedient to your captor and grateful to your captor. Your captor is now your friend. He's the only person who can give you safety. He's the only one who can guarantee that you're going to get a safe exit. And you can do that to an entire population. And if you look at the CIA's psychological warfare manuals, all of the things that have been done to this country over the past year are right out of those manuals about how the CIA disrupts indigenous populations, causes chaos, obliterates economies, destroys confidence in institutions, and creates this kind of chaos where people are grateful for anybody, the, the, person, the man who comes in on a white horse and imposes order and they'll do anything that he says. And what we need is people like Father Rick, Pastor Rick, and Pastor Michael, who understand, who don't fall into that mass psychosis and maintain a clarity of vision, a clarity of conscience, and, can, and refuse to back down, refuse to adopt this new orthodoxy and be subsumed in it and to continue to remind Americans of what their values are. And, you know, this has happened before in our history. It's happening now, but all of us have that, have that obligation to stand up and say, this, I'm not going along with this. I am standing here. And, you know, Governments love pandemics the same reason they love war. 
because it's an opportunity of convenience to, to impose totalitarian controls, to shift huge amounts of wealth from the middle class to the upper echelons to the oligarchy, and to quiet any protest through the imposition of censorship, the, the flooding of the, of the space with propaganda, and, and the imposition of all these other totalitarian controls. When I was in Germany, you know, last, I think it was last March, or maybe it was uh, June, I forget when, but there was 1.3 million people there and they weren't wearing masks. And they were doing that because they were sending a message. We don't, we're not going to do this without somebody telling us why. All of those people, if they read, if somebody showed them the science, if you went through the process, they'd all put on the mask. What they were saying is, you can't do this to me. You know, in totalitarian societies, the first thing that a dictator does is to come in and obliterate self-expression because that is dissent. When Hitler went into Romania, Czechoslovakia, and Poland, the first thing that he did was to kill all the intelligentsia. He ordered the Gestapo to do that before any German soldier stepped in there. He said, go to the universities first, kill them all, kill any poet, any artist, anybody who does self-expression, because self-expression is where dissent starts. And what is the instrument that we all have that is the most potent instrument of self-expression? The human face. And that's why God or evolution or both of them equipped us with 42 muscles in our face. Oh, we can express doubt, skepticism, raise an eyebrow, smile at the corner of your mouth, send a message to somebody across the room of love, of kindness, of cynicism, whatever it is. And the most totalitarian societies in the world, the, the, bet, the holy grail, if you look at the, the Islamic totalitarian fundamentals, look, I don't object if there is a woman who has a religious belief and she puts on a mask or if, you know, a face covering. There's nothing wrong with that if that's her choice. It's wrong if the government orders you to do it and will put you in jail if you don't. And those, and those governments, you know, the most totalitarian governments in the world, that's what they do. You know, the governments in Saudi Arabia, where a woman will go to jail if she drives an automobile. Um, that kind of social control, they need to obliterate self-expression. And so there's an objection to all these people who don't want to wear masks. They're not saying what, what they say, you know, on CNN is they're selfish people who don't understand science. That's not what's happening. What's happening is those are people who say, we are not going to allow you to cover our face without giving us a good reason why and going through a democratic process. And this reporter, an NBC a team approached me when I was in, when I was in Berlin 
and I was not wearing a mask. And they said, why aren't you wearing a mask? Aren't you scared of dying? And I said, I didn't go into the science of it. I said, there's things that scare me a lot more. And there, there are a lot worse things than death. And one of those things is losing our constitutional rights. And there's people to whom that sounds crazy. And I, to me, anything else sounds crazy. Because, you know, the, the, I would, was taught that we are privileged to live in this country. And the thing that holds this country together is not a unity of, of race or religion or language or color. It is a love for the Constitution and a reverence for the Constitution. That's what makes America. And the people who gave us that Constitution were able to give us that extraordinary gift because they were willing to die for it and to sacrifice everything. And many of them did die. And many of them sacrificed their wealth, their property, everything they owned to give us that gift. And what happens in one year, we allow these technocrats and billionaires to come and we, we, they're not even taking it from us. We're just giving it back to them. And that seems to me crazy and un-American. And I'm very happy that there are people, all of these people in this room, this growing movement in this country of people who are saying, we are not going to take this. We are going to take back the rights of this whole country. Let me, let me talk a little bit about the history of how we got here. Tell me how much time I have. I only have 10 minutes. Oh, 30, okay. Let me, let me, let me explain kind of and my understanding of how we got here today. I had, I had three vaccines when I was a kid. I was born in 1954. I had three vaccines when I was a kid and I was fully compliant. My children have 72 vaccines, 72 doses of 16 vaccines. So how did that happen? It happened because in 1971, we added a new vaccine called the diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis vaccine, the DTP. And that vaccine was highly reactogenic meaning it caused a lot of really terrible brain injuries. The CDC was telling people, and one in a million people got seriously injured, their internal documents were very alarmed and saying, we think it's one in 15,000. Well, they went to UCLA with Wyeth, which was the manufacturer of the vaccine, and they did a study on the vaccine at UCLA. We're going to test it on 15,000 children, and they believe one of them would get injured. And by the time they had tested 5,000 children, 
they realized they were in trouble. The scientist, the, the investigator who was running that study at UCLA learned that one in 300 kids were getting devastating permanent brain damage uh, or autism. And uh, he, he went back to NIH. And by the way, Anthony Fauci was already at NIH running the show and at NIAID, and he went to Wyeth, and he said, this is terrible. And Wyeth went up there with NIH in collusion, and they, the fix they decided, we're not gonna tell anybody about this, but for the rest of the study, we will use a different vaccine, one that's never been used before or since. And we'll pretend that was the vaccine that we're giving to every American. And this is a true story, and we have all this documented. So, the, by 1986, there were so many kids getting injuries from this vaccine that people started suing the companies. And by the mid-80s, Wyeth said to the Reagan White House and to the Democratic Congress, our company is losing $20 in downstream liabilities for every $1 we're making in profits from the sales. And we are gonna get out of the entire vaccine business and all the other companies are gonna join us unless you give us complete immunity from liability. And the Reagan White House didn't wanna do this and the Democrats in Congress didn't wanna do it. And they said to Wyeth, why don't you make the vaccine safe? And Wyeth said, Wyeth said, because vaccines can't be made safe. They are unavoidably, this is their quote, they are unavoidably unsafe. And when Reagan signed the statute, that phrase is in the preamble. Because vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, we need to give these companies immunity from liability. And of course, when you give them immunity from liability, it's like carte blanche for greed and carnage and mayhem. Remember, these companies, these four companies, Glaxo, Wyeth, which is now Pfizer, Merck and Sanofi, are serial felons. They're the, these are the companies with Johnson & Johnson, they gave us the opioid crisis killing 56,000 American children every year, more kids every year, and the Vietnam War killed in 20 years, and they, know, they knew what they were gonna do. They planned it. These are the companies that these four companies, since 2009, so in the last decade, have paid $35 billion in criminal penalties and damages for defrauding regulators, for falsifying science, to lying to doctors and physicians, blackmailing, bribing, the whole thing. Criminal behavior is part of their business plan. It's what they do. And killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. Biox, which was Merck's blockbuster flagship product till 2006, when they replaced it with Gardasil, in fact, when they replaced it, they had to replace it very quickly because they 
they had to pay a $7 billion penalty. They had killed between 120,000 and 500,000 of Americans with a drug that they knew caused heart attacks, and they said it, it cured headaches. So most of the people who took that drug, if they knew it could kill them, would probably have said, I'll take an aspirin. <laughs> but they were never given that choice because Merck lied to them. It didn't tell them. And in fact, when we sued Merck and got a hold of their spreadsheets from their accountants, the accountants were saying, we're going to kill all these people, but we're still going to make a ton of money. And even if we have to pay them all off, we'll still make money. So Merck said, well, let's not pay them off. Let's, let's lie about it. And that's what they did. And they got, there's many, many drugs like that. Glaxo's just paid a $3.5 billion penalty. Merck paid $7 billion to keep its board of directors out of prison. And, and the, the lawyer who made that deal, they made him the head of the company. And he, and the stock plummeted. I'll tell you the rest of this story. The stock was plummeting because this was their blockbuster drug. And they had to pay $7 billion cash. And Wall Street analysts were saying, Merck is finished. And Ken Fraser said to him, nope, I got a solution. I got a vaccine. It's called the HPV vaccine. I'm going to fast, fast track it. And um, we're going to get EU emergency use authorization for it. We're going to get fast track um, approval. And in one year, we're going to get it to you. It doesn't cure, it doesn't avert cervical cancer. That's a lie. In fact, it causes cervical cancer in women before it raises the risk by 46% who've already been uh, exposed to the HPV virus. It, ha it causes infertility in girls. Um, one out of every 40 girls in this, in the tri this trial got autoimmune disease, lifetime autoimmune diseases. I'm representing these girls now, it's just horrific. And Merck, but within Merck, this was called HPV. The code was HPV because it cures a human papillomavirus. But those signatures, that, those initials in Merck stand for help pay for Vioxx. That's what they, that's what they called it within the company. And they got it. And now it's their blockbuster drug. But anyway, these companies are criminal companies. So what happens when you tell those companies you're not going to get caught anymore? The only reason that they paid penalties for that $35 billion is because private plaintiff lawyers like me sued them for an, on behalf of an injured client. And while we were doing discovery, we came across documents that showed criminal behavior, and we walked them down to the U.S. Attorney's Office and said, you should put these people in jail. The only way they get caught. That is the only way they get caught. So what happens when you get rid of people like me? You tell us we can't sue them anymore. There is no discovery. There's no multi-district litigation. There's no class actions. There's no depositions. There's no document searches. They're completely safe with one product vaccines. And do you think they... Everybody, every Democrat in this country knows these companies are lying to us about every product they make. They think 
when it comes to vaccines, they found Jesus. And they're not, they wouldn't lie about that. It's, it, it is cognitive dissonance. It is people who are not dealing with reality, with understanding who these companies are. As soon as they got that immunity from liability, there was a gold rush because suddenly these companies said, holy cow, now we have a product where we're, where we're immune from the biggest cost of every other medical product, which is downstream liabilities. Every medical product causes injuries, everyone. And they said, now we don't have to pay them for anybody. Not only that, there's another huge cost savings. Vaccines are the only medical product or device that never has to be safety tested. And you may say that could not possibly be true. The reason for that rule, for that exemption, let me say, is an artifact of CDC's legacy as the Public Health Service, which was the predecessor agency, which is a quasi-military agency, which is why all the health agencies came out of the military originally. And the so that's why, and CDC still is a quasi-military agency. That's why you, if the upper level echelons have military ranks, like Surgeon General, they wear uniforms, et cetera. And the vaccine program was considered a national security defense against biological attacks on our country. Well, they wanted to make sure that if the Russians attacked us with anthrax or some other biological agent, if they could quickly formulate a vaccine and, and deploy it to 200 million Americans without regulatory impediments. They said to each other, if we call it a medicine, we're gonna have to safety test it. So let's call it something else. We'll call it a biologic. And we'll make biologics exempt from safety testing. And that's why no vaccine is safety tested, virtually none. I'll say this. None of the vaccines that are now mandated for our children, the 72 doses, not one was ever safety tested against a placebo in a preclinical trial. And I've said that for many years, and HHS has been saying, and all Gorski and all the trolls and the robots and the, you know, all of their PIs and their toadies and, you know, uh, on CNN, saying he's, he's not telling the truth about that, that's misinformation. So I sued HHS in 2018 and I said, show me one study from any vaccine that you've done. And after a year of litigation, they came out, they came clean. They said, you're right, we have never done a placebo-controlled trial. And you know how Anthony Fauci keeps saying, well, we can't have ivermectin because it's not placebo-controlled. We can't have hydroxychloroquine. What about the 72 vaccines that you're mandating for our children? Why didn't we have that rule back then? Hey, isn't that awesome? The content and the information that Bobby brings to us, I can't wait for tomorrow night, and I pray that you tune in so that you can become informed with real data, real statistics, somebody that has boots on the ground investigating this, 
and coming out with the information that you and I, we, we just don't have access to. So stick around. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.